नमस्ते एंड वेलकम टू वेलनेस बाइट्स विद गौरी वेर वी डिस्कस टॉपिक्स रिलेटेड टू आयुर्वेदा न्यूट्रिशन एंड वेलनेस द पर्पज ऑफ दिस पॉडकास्ट इज टू क्रिएट अवेयरनेस अबाउट हाउ वी कैन ब्रिंग अ बॉडीज बैक इन टू बैलेंस विथ वेलनेस ईच एपिसोड ऑफ वेलनेस बाइट्स कंटेन्स वंडरफुल इन्फॉर्मेशन ऑन फूड्स एट हेयर आयुर्वेदा न्यूट्रिशन फॉर माइंड एंड बॉडी health and well-being through this platform we will be inviting health and wellness experts sharing their wisdom and professionals from our community to share their mantra for fitness hi i'm your host gauri junarkar founder of ayun nutrition inviting you to get inspired by these talks to work towards your self-care stay tuned and keep listening to wellness bites with gauri So welcome to another episode of Wellness Bites with Gauri and today I'm really excited to have a wonderful guest with us who's not only a wonderful friend of mine but who's a one a world renowned cardiologist Dr Indranil Basure. So Dr Indranil Basure welcome to our show and I'm so excited to have you on our show we have so much to talk about and especially with all the knowledge that you bring in. So again welcome to our show. The doctor Indranil So Dr Indranil Basure is a world renowned cardiologist as i said and he has been delivering lot of the lectures on world renowned um colleges and things Harvard included so i'm going to um let Dr Indranil Basure uh, give a chance to him to introduce about himself and how he came into this field and what's unique about him so tell us about yourself um so uh, well i wanted to be a cardiologist actually i wanted to do um i just didn't want to be another doctor there are thousands of doctors who give uh, painkillers and cough syrup so i wanted to do something different um and that's why i chose cardiology and then of course i'm in a branch of cardiology called cardiac electrophysiology so in a minimally invasive way we go inside the heart and do a bunch of things and as you know this is one of the latest branch of cardiology like it's hardly around 25 years old so unlike interventional cardiologists who just go to the um, the surface of the heart and open up blood vessels uh, we go inside the heart so we are called interventional cardiac electrophysiologist um so i wanted to be a doctor from uh, when i was a kid because as i said i not only wanted to be a doctor i wanted to do something that was new that made a change So when um, after did my uh, MBBS MD and then a DM in India uh, I got two offers one for interventional cardiologist in England and another offer to to come to United States to do what is known as in short EP my field is called EP cardiac electrophysiology so that time I decided because in India almost every lane has got an interventional cardiologist so I don't want to be that and there was no trained uh, interventional cardiac electrophysiologist in India I was one of the first one to be trained so I came over and did my fellowship um and then um, did one fellowship in uh, in in Toronto Canada did the second one in um it did at Mass General then I was a faculty at Harvard 
Um, so that's how it started, um, how I uh, became a doctor and a cardiac electrophysiologist. So that's, that's, that's really wonderful, uh, Dr. Indanil Basure, learning more about, you know, how you came into this field and especially with, with cardiology and things as well. Now, I know that you have one more interesting aspect about you that you are interested in and um, yoga. So tell us more about how did you get interested in yoga and tell us a little about the yoga uh, philosophy. So um, I got interested in yoga because uh, my father used to sit and meditate when I was a kid. So I started following him. So I started meditation at the age of six. Um, and initially I was just uh, sitting and meditating, just sort of more <laughs> mimicking him than really meditating, just because my dad did it. Uh, then I read, when I was pretty young, I read uh, uh, there's a book by Vivekananda, it's called Raja Yoga. So I read Raj Yoga, I read a couple of other books, read a little bit of uh, Maharishi Aravind, uh, Maharishi Aravindo. And um, so, and then there was a book called the um, Fritz of Capra. The book is called the Tao of Physics, which compares the latest in physics with uh, Hindu philosophy. Hmm. So after reading the book, yeah, I, after reading the book, I got really, really um, interested that uh, we need to understand the science of yoga. So Fritz of Capra was a guy who was a nuclear physicist um, at, at uh, Geneva where they actually discovered the uh, boson, that is the Higgs boson. Uh, and then he became a sannyasi, became a Hindu um, sannyasi, Hindu monk. And I don't know if you guys know, a lot of people in this world does not know. So in Geneva, we have the Cerner, which is the world's largest atom smasher. And uh, before you enter the gate, there is a big statue. And that statue is not of uh, any other God or for example, Jesus Christ was West, Europe is a, is a Christian country, but the statue is of Nataraja or the Shiva in the dancing form. So imagine the world's biggest atoms crasher, which is creating particles like Higgs boson has in its entrance, uh, the picture of Shiva. Because the Western concept, um, the latest phys physics concept of the universe, who we are, how we exist is very, uh, close to the Hindu concept of Advaitya. So that got interested when I was a kid. And then I um, started going after a lot of people to see who I can have as my guru. Um, so I met a lot of people. I met the head of Ramakrishna Mission, um, some of the people there. Then I went all the way to the south. I met the Shankaracharya at that time. Uh, Chandrasekhar Bharati was the Shankaracharya. He had a triple PhD. He sort of considered almost the new father of uh, Vedic mathematics. I met him. Uh, I wanted a guru uh, who could really teach me the nuances of meditation or yoga. Yoga actually is meditation. Unfortunately, in the West, what has happened is we are just um, uh, interested with the physical part of yoga. But the physical part of yoga or asanas is just like two to 3% of yoga. 85, 95% uh, of yoga is actually meditation. Um, so then uh, I went to all those people and uh, finally then I got my guru um, and that was, it's, it's a story for another day. Um, I wanted a guru who was, um, in India what happens is a lot of people because of poverty, they land up in an ashram, then they grow up and they become big sannyasis. But Vivekananda said that if you have everything and then you give up, that's what is the real sannyasi. Not because you're forced into a situation and then you become a sannyasi. 
So my guru was like that. My guru was a um, textile engineer in 1927, possibly one of the first textile engineers in India. Mm. And then after passing, he took sannyas. Uh, and my lineage is obviously extremely famous. It's world famous, but very esoteric because uh, unlike some of the gurus you hear today, we don't have big corporation, big meeting, gala meeting, and uh, uh, you pay money and get, uh, none of these things happen. So I belong to the Kriya Yoga. So Kriya Yoga, based on the yoga history um, is this, that uh, Kriya Yoga, uh, the yoga started with so-called Shiva, if that exists, um, giving the first instruction to uh, the seven rishis called the Sapta rishis. Uh, in a place 30 miles from present-day Kedarnath, there's a small lake there. there. Uh, and then it is said, Augusta, one of those Munis, went all around uh, India at that time and uh, spread yoga. Um, and uh, so yoga continued like that. And uh, it was written down by somebody called Maharishi Patanjali. So Patanjali is not the founder of yoga. He just put it that he codified it. He put it down in writing. Um, and Shiva um, also gave it to somebody called Matsya Ananda, and his disciple is known as Goraknath. There's, some, there's a place called Gorakhpur in, uh, in UP, as you guys have, you know, it's a famous place. So Goraknath was supposed to be born there. Uh, he was the disciple of Matsyendranath. Um, he was considered Shiva because he change Hatha Yoga, that is the paradigm of physical yoga to reach Godhead because, and um, so my field is Kriya Yoga. So my, uh, the, the one who reintroduced this is known as Mahavatar Babaji, uh, who became, um, and Mahavatar Babaji is supposed to be no, nobody else other than Goraknath himself. Um, and his disciple is uh, Lahiri Baba. Uh, and Lahiri Baba's disciple is Jikteshwar Giri. Jukteshwar Giri's disciple is both Paramahansa Yogananda and my guru, Hariharananda Giri. So obviously I've been doing this for many decades now and, um, uh, uh, and that's how my interest came and um, that's how I'm into Kriya Yoga. So wonderful, um, Dr. Indranil Basure. I mean, thank you so much for you know, um, talking about you know, yoga and the philosophy and yoga and touching base and even the history part and things. So very grateful for that as well. So one question I do have in my mind is when it comes to specifically heart disease, how is stress and heart disease, how are they connected? So um, heart disease, every heart disease is due to stress. Possibly most of cancer is also due to stress, though there is some um, controversies whether stress can directly cause new cancer. Uh, but uh, oncologists uh, have a divided opinion because we don't have that much strong proof now, but it's almost 100% sure that if you do have cancer already, if you have stress, that will increase uh, cancer. So 70% of all the diseases that kills on this planet, which includes heart disease, heart disease kills twice the number of times than cancer and cancer and stroke, they're all due to um, stress. Now, um, so there's really nothing, all the risk factors so that we talk about, like we say hypertension is the risk factor. Hypertension is caused by stress. Now we know that. Diabetes is a risk factor. Diabetes is caused by stress. High cholesterol is a risk factor. High cholesterol is caused by stress. So everything is caused by stress. 
So there is nothing in this world that you can save yourself from unless if you have stress. Now your question might be then why do you have stress? Because living itself causes stress. Mm. And I'll tell you why. It's very simple. We lived on this earth for 4 million years. So when we get up in the morning, you don't get to see your wife or your husband or your kids or your father and mother. For millions of years, when you get up in the morning, you might see an anaconda trying to enter your cave, or you might have seen a saber-toothed elephant, a saber-toothed tiger, or a mammoth standing. So you or our predecessors had two options, either to kill it or to escape. And obviously they did they did something right. That's why you and I are the dominant species in this universe. Somebody else would have been dominant species on Earth. So a human body is known to treat every incident as an emergency. So even though you're not facing saber to the tiger, you're not facing any mammoth or any large anaconda trying to gulp you up, still you behave like that. And now there's been tons of research last 10 years, even simple things, like suppose you want to be a... Um, you join a job and you want to be the CEO one day, which is normal, you know, it's a normal, uh, yeah. or uh, even what you might think pretty stupid thing that uh, you have a very nice car, a Mercedes and a big home. I think I'm as good as you, but I don't have any one of these. So what we call in simple language, jealousy. The biology of us doesn't understand jealousy, brain does. So brain creates reaction that creates inflammation in our body. So day-to-day -day events create inflammation and that leads to diabetes, that leads to hypertension, leads to heart disease. And that is why everything, every heart disease is basically caused by stress. Other than a few congenital disorders, that's obviously different. So wonderful um, uh, explanation, um, Dr. Basuri, and um, you know, especially the way you explain about you know, the stress effect and things as well, and how you know, this, uh, we have those risk factors and things. So excellent explanation on that. So other question I have for you is, how can a person uh, with high blood pressure benefit from meditation? In, in, in a number of ways. As I said, blood pressure is an, expense of is an expression of stress for a long time. So as you start having stress for a long time, there is inflammatory changes in your blood vessels. Your blood vessel wall, which is supposed to be like an elastic uh, membrane, becomes thick like a plastic or a lead, like the normal pipes we have in our washrooms. Um, so then blood pressure starts. What is blood pressure? Blood pressure means your blood is expressing a pressure on the wall. So the wall is very pliable, which is when we are born or when we are within the first decade, so even under in the second decade, um, then slowly it gets stiff. And this stiffness is because there's inflammation. So normal blood wall is converted into a thick material. There's deposition of calcium and other things. So it becomes thick. And that's why nowadays you see with this increased amount of stress, uh, which could be economic, pandemic, and other things, you have young people presenting with high blood pressures, which is almost unknown, say, 30 or 40 years back. So uh, when you have the stress, when the wall thickens, you have blood, high blood pressure. So the answer is you need to get rid of stress because mm -hmm. this high blood pressure will make you have stroke. This high blood pressure will make you have uh, coronary artery disease or heart attack will make you have what is known as peripheral arterial disease. You may need to chop off your legs because there's not enough blood supply there. 
the, the it's a devil has many faces, but the ultimate thing is the same thing. Inside, it's the same thing going on, no difference. So when you practice meditation, that's when you practice yoga, as I said, yoga means say 5% of physical exercises, that is cardiovascular wise good, just like any exercise. Uh, asana or yoga, the physical part of asana or yoga, which is called the Hatha yoga, is just as good as any physical exercise, whether you do Pilates, whether you run. So where is the benefit of yoga? Benefit of yoga is not only in the asanas. Actually, a minimal benefit of yoga is from the asanas, just like any other physical exercise. But 95% of the benefit comes from meditation. So now we know the inflammation that I talked about is caused by release of many hormones inside the body. There are over 330 genes that get activated and they perpetuate inflammation everywhere in your body. When you practice meditation, you can switch off these genes, you can switch off the inflammation. So not only can you prevent hypertension, you can do something much more. For example, you can decrease aging also. You know, 19, uh, 2009, Elizabeth Blackburn got a Nobel Prize for discovering telomerase, which causes cellular aging. So meditation decreases that. So meditation is now known to decrease aging. In this country, you know, people 80, 85 years of age, 30, 35% of people over 80 years of age languish in nursing homes. They don't know their name. They don't know who their children is, who their wife is, where they live, because the brain is gone. And large number of them have sort of, sort of called vascular dementia or Alzheimer's. Meditation actually makes your brain grow. So if you practice meditation from today, there's 90% chance that you'll never ever get Alzheimer's. And uh, Sarah Laser, uh, one of the researchers at Mass General, uh, actually showed in 2010, there was the first paper after that, there's over 70, 80 papers now, that, you, uh, that your brain grows uh, pretty thick, almost an inch if you practice meditation for 10 years. So imagine uh, Alzheimer's is a disease where there's a couple of medicines which hardly work. They are minimally effective, very little effective. But meditation makes your brain grow. So all these are the different way. Plus there's one more thing, as I said, the hormonal changes, the genetic changes that generally take place is almost most of the time secondary to changes in the brain. If you are an anxiety liking personality, if you are a depressive liking personality, your brain start be uh, uh, producing some stuff, your brain neuronal changes take place in your brain so you're always depressed, you're always anxious. But when you start meditation, there's something called neuroplasticity, the entire brain changes. For example, they have got kids who were born in Europe without parents, um, our parents were killed um, and they were kept in foster homes. So they had a brain which was always, uh, they were abused so they had parts of their brain called the hypothalamus, which is very big. And hypothalamus is, is the basic brain. That's the brain we share with reptiles, with the crocodile, with the dinosaurs. So that is the brain which is jealous of other people, angry with other people. And these kids, when they were taught uh, meditation, it was found that uh, their hypothalamus gets smaller and smaller. They did doing PET scan and functional MRIs. So, Meditation works in multiple ways. A, changes the brain. B, the very reason for hypertension to occur, which is thickening of the blood vessels, that wall of the blood vessel, that decreases. Hormones like noradrenaline, which are increased in increased amounts when you have anxiety, those stop coming out. So there are multiple ways, even we don't even know. I mean, mm. uh, maybe in the future, we'll get a bunch of Nobel Prize on this, the mechanism. 
but it's a total effect on multiple parameters, brain, blood cells, molecular, cellular, genetic, epigenetic, where meditation acts to prevent these diseases. So that's absolutely great um, explanation. And especially that you um, touched based on how meditation um, helps with the cellular changes and things and how you ex- give an explanation about how it helps overall. You know, it, it basically uh, benefits the multiple um, organs in the body as well. So thank you for again, you know, touching base on you know, the effect of meditation as well. The other question I have for you is, how does yoga benefit a person with heart disease? So as I said, um, today you have a heart disease, you have a heart attack, you get a stent um, and, um, or a bypass surgery. And um, females or ladies, as you know, they are generally protected till their menopause. But after menopause, uh, the chance of them getting a heart attack, stroke is almost same. Some people believe it's actually more than a male of the same age because you are protected because of estrogen for so many decades. Suddenly you lose that estrogen and that protection is gone. So um, that's the root of heart disease. Mm-hmm. That's how heart disease begins. You know, the, um, So what it does is the core risk factors, as I said, for any heart disease, whether it's, it's a male or a female, especially female postmenopausal, uh, is high blood pressure, blood sugar, diabetes. Now, as I said, all of these are because of stress at the vascular level, at the cellular level, at the molecular level. A bunch of uh, inflammatory markers like interleukins are increased. Something called HSCRP, which we physicians measure nowadays is increased. Uh, But when you take drugs to prevent this, they they don't go off, their levels are decreased, number one. Secondly, you, you tend to have more and you, have, you tend to take multiple amount of medications so that you can keep this under control because none of the drugs that we know today roots them out. So there's difference between controlling them and rooting them out. The only reason, so, so what happens is today you get a stent or today you get bypass and you'll get another in a couple of years, another couple of years. So first bypass, second bypass, and with every bypass, as you know, the mortality increases. People tend to die because of the surgery itself. Then when you grow older, like you're 70 years of age, I might split open your chest, but your chest, and you might have a very successful bypass, but then your chest don't close because at that age, um, the, the chest remains open and the, the wound is there the rest of your life. It's a horrible condition. We, have, we used to have tens of patients like that. So the answer is to how to root that out. And the rooting out is through yoga. So yoga means doing regular, uh, obviously, asanas. But more than asanas, yoga is a way of life. Mm. Like I have people coming and telling me, I go to yoga between five to six. Yoga is not Pilates. Yoga is not um, running in a treadmill or doing uh, iron. So I'm talking with you. I'm still doing yoga. Mm. The reason is yoga is a lifestyle. So I am a part of my brain is still concentrating. I can talk with you. I can read, but obviously this has taken time. This has taken three, four decades to for this to happen. So my brain can still concentrate whatever I am doing. Um, and this concentration is called yoga. So not only you eat the right thing, you have a habit where um, you eat, sleep, and do everything in moderation, appropriate diet. You do. I mean, 
we expect you to do some physical exercise. A lot of the so-called rishis who are the founders or the real yogis, they don't even do exercise. The reason is when mentally you control inflammation, mm. you don't need to do exercise. So none of them, there are people in the Himalayas who are 90 years old, but they, are, uh, they behave as if their body is only 40 or 50. Mm. And medicine did not used to believe that, but now medicine believes that. And therefore, that has got a particular name. So a guy who's born 90 years back, he's chronologically 90 years old. But after practicing meditation, for example, 12 years of meditation can decrease your life by five years, your aging by five years. So you may be chronologically 90 years old, but physically your body is fit as a 50 years old man. So biologically you're 50, though chronologically you're 90. Mm. So that's why you find um, super old people, they look very young. That's the reason is because they stop aging. Aging decreases. Inflammation decreases. They don't have disease. They've never heard of heart attack. They've never had a stroke. Uh, they can stand in the cold, minus 20. Uh, they don't get pneumonia. So this rooting out comes when you change things from inside, not when you do it from outside. Outside things has got a limit. After that, it doesn't work. And uh, technology, at least till now, has not developed. Maybe in the future it will. Mm. And that's why Indian yogi says that change has to come from inside, mm -hmm. not from outside. Outside change is already cosmetic. So you want a permanent change. You don't want a cosmetic change. Wonderful, wonderful. I mean, excellent way, the way you, ex you talked about, um, you know, the yoga and things and, you know, touched base on meditation and things at the same time. Uh, but the question also arises is then is can yoga actually help prevent heart disease? And if so, how can it actually help prevent heart disease? Oh, absolutely. So heart disease can completely be prevented by yoga. So as I said, it's a change in lifestyle. So what does yoga mean? Yoga means you are in a state of mind where your mind is not producing or doing things that is harming your body. So unfortunately, though you think it's your own mind and it's your own body, your mind is constantly trying uh, to do things that can get your body sick. So first you've got to change the mind. So this constant flow of thoughts and this constant flow of um, uh, achievement or lack of achievement, anxiety, depression, all these causes, all these are basically chemical changes. The unfortunate part is the chemical changes inside the brain is reflected every second, every minute in the body. 50 years back, science thought that only there are a few illnesses which are because of the mind and we called it psychosomatic diseases. Today we know every single disease has a mental component because if mind is not doing it, body won't do it. And we also know that now that body and mind is not connected only by nerves. Every second there is information going from the mind to the brain, or from the brain to the body, from body to the, every second, through multiple other things, which we can discuss another day. So whenever you have an aberrant mental state like depression, anxiety, jealousy, um, worries, all these is directly responsible for releasing hormones. For example, epi and norepi is released that makes your heart go fast. You can even die. Since the time I'm talking with you, at least three or four Americans have died because every two minutes, one American dies because of what is known as sudden cardiac death. The heart goes very fast and you die. So a lot of these is caused because of your, how your brain thinks, what your brain does to the body. 
So when you practice yoga, when you do meditation, number one, as I said, you root this very basic inflammation, which is responsible for all these diseases. If you have no inflammation, then you don't have any, no vascular inflammation. You'll never ever have heart attack. You'll never ever have stroke. You'll never have peripheral artery disease, nothing. If you don't have epi coming out, your heart won't go fast to cause VT, VF, and all those diseases. So in essence, it's, it's very simple. You, have, you live in Manhattan, you have a $2 million condo, and you have like two and a half um, feet balcony. In that balcony, will you put up weeds or will you put up uh, flowering plants? So this is the, the costliest uh, um, Manhattan apartment that you have, your small brain. So you need to decide if you want to fill it with weeds, which gives you stress and which cause diseases, or you want to um, fill it with appropriate thoughts. It's as same as that. I mean, for every human being, uh, this is the costliest piece of land that they have. So, and, and the other thing also is very important to understand that um, I might think whatever I feel like, I can't change my past. Mm. And I can again also think whatever I want to in the future, it might happen, it might not happen. And that's why we need to be in the present moment because no God on earth or heaven can prevent me from doing what I want to do now because I have all the power for that. So we always stay either in the past or in the present. Oh, why should I, I shouldn't have done that. So when you think you shouldn't have done that, you can't change anything. But you can certainly make sure that you get heart attack within five years because that subconsciously ravages your body and your brain. And if you're going to do something in the future, you might, but or you might reach there, but there's no guarantee that you will. Mm. But if I want to do something now, I want to live in the present, I want to be in the present, I want to make my body uh, healthy by not indulging in all these thoughts, I can do that now. So very simple step, live in the present, practice yoga, and again, practice yoga means live in yoga, not practice. It's not uh, something that you go to the gym and do. It's 24-7, 365. No heart disease will ever affect you. So that is absolutely great, um, Dr. Indanil Basuri. I mean, the way you explained about you know, how yoga actually affects our mind and how the mind and body connection works and things, it's absolutely great. Um, so something I had for you was, um, what is your personal health and wellness routine that you would like to share? Uh, I generally get up early in the morning at four o'clock. Uh, I try to meditate. Um, and then I leave pretty early for my uh, work. Um, and then, um, I mean, my work is basically divided. A couple of days I'm in the cat lab almost the whole day. Uh, actually, we call it EP lab, where we do complex procedures, uh, VT ablation, EF ablation, put in pacemakers and other things. The other days I do um, clinics and a um, couple of times a month, I am in charge of the CCU, the critical care unit uh, and consults. So obviously critical care unit, we have almost 14, 15 beds, super sick patients, and multiple heart attacks or other problems or severe heart failure, end stage heart disease, what we call so basically in between doing clinics, uh, seeing patients uh, in the floor or doing consults, uh, I spend most of the day. Uh, I used to come back pretty late when I was in a private practice. I don't do private practice. I did private practice for a very short time. Most of the time I was in academics. Mm. <clears throat> now also I'm, excuse me, I'm in academics, so I'm at the VA. 
so I come home and after like six, six thirty, and then um, I do some reading, spend time with my family, especially with my son. Um, and then um, I try to go to bed early, but unfortunately there's always some calls coming. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, that's pretty much uh, the regular physical routine. Okay, okay. Um, what wellness tips and health tips would you like to share with the audience today? So first thing is don't eat too much. <laughs> so overeating is bad. You don't have to do fat eating like, oh, I stopped having fat completely. Listen, you have to understand 90% of your brain is fat. So you have to eat everything, but within limits. Uh, or if you eat too much protein when you're past 50, 60, you'll develop arthritis because your body does not uh, have the capacity to excrete those proteins. So any of the so-called uh, crazy diets that you find, mm -hmm. most of them are harmful. Atkins diet, the guy himself died of heart failure. I mean, he made millions of dollars selling Atkins diet, he dies of heart failure. Keto diet is good for a very, very short time, long time it has got um, bad consequences. So any crazy diet doesn't help. Mm. What does help is don't overeat. Intermittent fasting does help. Intermittent fasting has become more better now after people got the Nobel Prize. What uh, in 2017, a Japanese got a Nobel Prize for that. But what we fail to understand is we've been doing intermittent fasting forever. In Hindu philosophy, uh, my mother, my ye, they do a, a couple of times a week, they are fasting. Though they do it because of a ritual, but ultimate result is same. So whether you do it for a ritual or you do it just because you need to fast, it doesn't matter. But now it has got a scientific credence because somebody got a Nobel Prize. Mm -hmm. So the original yogic system Fasting one day a week was normal. In most of the time, people avoided late dinners. They uh, either had little dinner, um, they had a um, strong meal in the afternoon, morning, and they, after evening, they tend to have less food. Nowadays, what we have is we have we work till late, 7, 8 p.m., then we come, have a, have a stomach full of dinner, then you go to sleep. So what does that happen? So that causes all the acid from the stomach to come up. You get sleep apnea, you get develop uh, bronchial asthma like because you have acid going to your lung and then uh, there is no exercise. So those uh, fat absorbed from your gut goes and blocks all your arteries. And that's why by the age of 70 of dementia, by the age of 50, you have a couple of heart disease. I mean, nowadays I know 35 year old guys coming with bypass surgery, having multiple bypass surgeries. So it's all a lifestyle. So number one, eat less. Number two, practice yoga, practice meditation. Um, at least some form of, uh, you don't have to be ritualistic, you don't have to follow any religion, but uh, do some plain asanas and then just um, sit for meditation, do some meditation practice. And third and um, third most is try to live in the present. I mean, whatever you want to achieve in life, you can achieve. Nobody else in the universe can stop you. That's what Vivekananda said. Mm. But achievement doesn't mean cursing yourself for the past, which will not change anything, or hoping for the future, mm. if you don't do anything in the present. So live in the present moment. Now only exist. Future is not on you. Past you can't control, mm. or you cannot change. So these are the three very simple ways to life. Life is very uncomplicated. Nature is very uncomplicated. We make it more complicated and then blame the nature for it. Nothing in nature is uh, very complicated. 
I think it's it is Einstein who said that when a concept is very complicated and you cannot explain it to others or you tell others it's very complicated, that means you haven't understood yourself by at all. Because nothing in this universe is complicated. That's not the way nature behaves or acts. So if you make it very complicated, the fault is yours, not nature's fault. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know, whatever you shared today was absolutely great knowledge, Dr. Indanil Vasure. And, um, you know, especially the way you explained and you touched base on yoga, meditations, its effects, and how everybody should really, you know, make sure that, you know, they have a healthier lifestyle as well. Uh, do you have um, any update on any event and things that you want to share with the audience today? Yeah, we, um, as part of American Academy of Yoga and Meditation, every uh, week, uh, every month, we do a, a bunch of uh, webinars on different diseases and how yoga can be used for that. We recently had on migraine, uh, we had on depression, uh, we had on heart disease, we had on breast cancer. As you know, breast cancer is the largest killer in the Western Hemisphere, uh, cancer. Um, so, so people are most welcome. They can go online, just type American Academy of Yoga and Meditation and um, both in the YouTube or in the Facebook uh, or go to our site, which is AAYM because it's American Academy of Yoga and Meditation, so AAYMonline.org. Uh, um, and uh, see, I mean, these are all free for everybody. These are meant to spread the scientific idea of uh, yoga so that people understand, like just my guru was, yoga is very scientific, it's science. Even the rishis talked about science. It was in between a few hundred, uh, thousands of years, those science got lost. And we have reduced yoga from a completely scientific thing, as we now know, due to last three, four decades, there's been tons of de uh, development uh, in medicine by which we understood what yoga is. Especially we developed imaging techniques to go inside a living brain. And that's how we understood all this. So imagine these uh, sages or rishis 10,000 years back, how powerful they might have been that they discovered all this at that time. And we are sort of rediscovering it. Um, and this makes me, um, this reminds me of a really, really very important quote. Uh, quote. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard of somebody called Werner Heisenberg. Werner Heisenberger was the one of the biggest scientists who came out what is with what is known as quantum theory. I mean, the whole universe is based on one of the theories known as quantum mechanics. So one of the famous quote of Werner Heisenberger is what we are inventing today are not invention. They are but discoveries because they have been invented by Hindu rishis long ago. One of the fathers of 20th century science after Einstein, uh, actually before Einstein, who actually proved Einstein wrong, um, the quantum physics uh, says this, that what we are inventing are just discoveries that have been invented by Hindu rishis uh, long back. Uh, Buddha's description of how the brain works is same as what we have today, only we have added some tough names, which is different, uh, difficult to pro uh, uh, pronounce and some medical terms to it. But the basic way how we sitting under a people tree, how he described mind and body works, it's basically the same even today. So that's it. <laughs> so that's really great. I mean, great discussion um, that we had. Uh, and um, we'll definitely will be um, sharing those links as well for everybody to, to make sure that, you know, they can go to um, the website as well as, you know, listen to some of those um, and look at those episodes as well. Um, if people want to contact you, how can they reach out to you? 
they can uh, email me um, like um, I Basuray, that's my first name, my last name together at yahoo.com. And um, we we do, I do scientific yeah, also talks on yoga and meditation. So if you have anything in Dallas, I can come over and we can do for people who may be interested, uh, which would include a workshop and then, um, and then actually take people down into deep meditation so that they can do for uh, themselves um, at their own homes. And uh, just for the sake of it, I don't charge for teaching anybody meditation because nobody charged me for teaching meditation. Unlike some of the present day gurus, they charge for everything. Um, uh, Vivekananda didn't charge anything. Sri Ramakrishna didn't charge anybody. Uh, Adi Shankara did not charge anybody. So I have no right to charge. Um, obviously, if you're having it in a hotel or something, that they have to pay. Um, but... Uh, Getting the knowledge is free for everybody, and I want to make it free the rest of my life at least. Whoever wants to take it from me and practice it, it's for everybody, so everybody's welcome. So, absolutely great, and thank you so much um, for sharing all the wonderful knowledge today. And I'm really excited, you know, to um, have bring this uh, episode to all everybody out there who's really interested more into yoga, meditation, and especially the way Dr. Indrani Basuri talked more about, you know, the, the effect on especially prevention of heart disease, which is um, really astounding. So thank you so much for coming on our show today. And we have, I'm really um, happy to, you know, uh, learn from you. And there's always, you know, whenever I have a conversation with you, I always come out learning so much. So thank you so much again for coming on our show. Have a wonderful day. Thanks. You too. Take care. You can now listen to our podcast interviews and podcast episodes on our website, www.iunutrition.com slash podcast. You can also listen to these episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. These are also available on Spotify, Stitcher, and many more channels. You can also access our Wellness Bites with Corey episodes on our YouTube channel at IU Nutrition. So don't forget to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram at IU Nutrition, as well as subscribe to our YouTube channel at IU Nutrition.